This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is Tuesday, February 8th, 2022. Good morning, Jake. Hello. You know, we're giving away this PS5, and all you MFers have to do to win it is hit the subscribe button. Subscribe. Right here on YouTube, the old YouTube machine. If you're listening on the audio podcast, bless you, friends. Thank you, Stitcher Radio. Thank you, iHeartMedia. Thank you, Spotify. Thank you, Apple. You guys are doing an amazing job. Massive week on the audio podcast. If you want to win the PS5, just go to themontyshow.com. Takes you right to our YouTube channel. Hit subscribe. Then find us on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, the Monty Show underscore. M-O-N-T-Y, the Monty Show is where you find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Jake is SLC Supercars. What a night at the former Delta Center. Do you remember when it was called the Delta Center? I do. You don't. Yeah, I do. Uh, the Viv at Vivint Arena last night. My friend and yours, Donovan Mitchell, put on a show as the Utah Jazz knock off the New York Knicks. And I wonder, what did we learn out of this win last night? Because it's quite interesting that there is so much now emotion and swing with Jazz fans. I think what you're seeing is the plan that the Jazz allegedly have in place to rebuild this team around Donovan Mitchell is absolutely the right plan to have because, Jake, Donovan Mitchell is the prototype NBA superstar. Yeah, I mean, he he is he's coming along. You know, I think, you know, he's – first of all, I think he's rested, number one. I think he's playing on fresh legs, which we haven't been able to see that version of Don in quite some time. So that's number one. Number two, I think last night, you know, there was – he had himself a nice night, obviously. He played really well, had a nice windmill dunk at the end there. Like, things were good for him last night. Um, but I think last night, you know, when I'm watching this game, I, I think – you know, now that Don is finding himself on the floor again, you're starting to now see him, you know, control the team a little bit more when he's out there and kind of get back to that level that, that he was at. And I think, you know, if you're a Jazz fan, you've been waiting for this for what feels like forever, but really it's probably been like six weeks, you know, after the concussion thing and, you know, COVID was ravaging the team and, you know, they've just gone through a lot. And I think, you know, this year when you look around the NBA, it's turning into one of those years that, that it's like, hey, just try to get into the postseason as best you can type thing. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of teams who are kind of in that boat. And I think, you know, for the Jazz and Don, that's a position that they're in right now. And I think when you look towards the future, I, I haven't had any doubts and still don't have any doubts that building around Don is the correct move. I, I just think that Don is a guy that, that you can that you can build around. And if you put him in a, in a, in a position where – you know, he's got the right matchup and, you know, you do what all the other teams do with their stars, he's going to eat. You know, I, I look at, you know, the Bulls and Suns play this awesome game last night, and what do I see? I see high-level offense being run, you know, getting Devin Booker in, in good positions to score, getting DeMar DeRozan and getting Zach Levine in good positions to score. And that's what I think really is the next step for this Utah Jazz offense. A lot of times, you know, on the show, we talk about the defensive end and Rudy and that whole dynamic and their shortcomings, and we'll get to that today. Um, but I think, you know, last night watching this game against the Knicks, what I found myself, you know, thinking is, 
hey, this team, once again, just isn't really running offense. What what they're doing is bringing the ball up, you know, running some pick and roll, yep. and, and trying to, to attempt to kick the ball to the corner. But you rarely see – it's only happening probably – maybe two to three times in an entire game where they get the pick and roll, the driver, whoever that may be, Don or whoever, kicks it to the corner, and then the ball gets swung around, whereas uh, these other teams are doing that consistently, and they're, and they're actually running sets to create it, the, and get the offensive look that they want. They're dictating to the offense, and I think that, that really is what this Jazz team is missing, and when we talk about what the correct way would be to build around Don and what that would actually look like. You know, we've said many times on the show that, hey, you know, they need wing defense. They need some athleticism out on the wing. But I don't think that just applies to the defensive end. I, I think this team, and, and specifically Donovan Mitchell, would thrive if he had – and it doesn't need to be the best player in the league. It doesn't need to be someone who's a all-star like every single year. But if he had someone out on the wing who was able to get to the basket consistently and who played smart basketball, again, you know, you think of guys like – you know, again, your Mikhail Bridges or like that role player esque guy who's clearly a number two, who's not pushing Don to be a number one, knows his role, is good at getting to the cup, plays smart basketball. Those are the kind of guys that I think the Jazz need to bring in. I think you need the the Steph and Clay setup where Steph Curry is clearly the superstar of that team. Yeah. But you have a number two that can lead lead the way on any given night. Mm -hmm. That's what this team needs. And I think what you see out of Donovan Mitchell on a night like last night is he doesn't need to make three-point shots to win you a game. They shot 25% from three last night, and they won. Now, obviously, Mitchell Robinson went berserk in that game yeah. and put up an incredible 19 points in 21 boards without Rudy Gobert in there. And this is the constant conversation that's had. A lot of people will tell you, well, if you build this team around Donovan Mitchell – and you ship out Rudy Gobert, who's going to rebound and play defense? Well, A, don't forget that Rudy Gobert makes on average $41 million a year. If you build this team around Donovan Mitchell, you're going to allocate that $41 million to other parts around him. It's not like you're just taking Rudy and his money and throwing it out the window, right? And it's not like you cannot win, in my opinion, to a certain point with Rudy and Don playing together. We've seen that already. We know the how that movie ends, right? So my point is what you see out of Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell is special and unique on a nightly basis. And the idea that Don doesn't want to be here, I don't believe that to be true. I don't think – I have not heard one time that Donovan Mitchell's demanded a trade or, <laughs> excuse me, this nonsense that he thinks he's too big for Salt Lake City. I have not heard that one time. And I think what really stands out to me about Donovan Mitchell is he's playing with energy and passion again. Mm -hmm. Will that continue when Rudy comes back? Because by all accounts, Rudy Gobert is going to be back here in the short term. I don't know if that continues. But what I do know is you can't keep doing what you've been what you've been doing for the last five years because that's not working. Right, and I, and I think you know the the best point you know you were getting at there is like last night Mitchell Robinson has this huge night and they still lose. And and I want to point that out because. I think, you know, yesterday on the show, if you're someone who listens, you remember that we were discussing how how this is an offensive league, you know, that, that defense doesn't really – like defense can, de 
can win you a game, absolutely. But the best teams are the teams that are getting high uh, high percentage looks consistently. And I think, you know, last night I look at this Mitchell Robinson performance and I say, yeah, sure, I'm not surprised that he had a big night, you know. But what? But my point is, is that this this Jazz team and NBA teams will not win or lose based on what the big does. It's no. just the. It, it's just how the NBA works. The reason that the Jazz won this game had nothing to do with the first three quarters or anything that Mitchell Robinson was doing. What it had to do with is they 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 got better offensively as the game went on, and they started getting higher percentage looks as the game went on. And I think that you know we so often talk about well, hey, it turns into Don and everybody else. And I think that problem or that not even problem, I guess that like situation uh, that happening will go away as you change the players on this roster. And I think that needs to happen. I think Don's confidence level will go up and he'll grow more as you put better players or more capable players around him. The thing that worries me more is where is this Utah Jazz organization with Quinn Snyder? Because, again, we saw a night where a guy like Elijah Hughes doesn't play a single minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at – Jared Butler played four minutes last night. Yeah. that To me, anyway, I don't think that can ever happen. I, I, I think it is a crime against this team to play Jared Butler four minutes in a game. Mm-hmm. That's not helping him. You don't practice on the regular anymore in this league. You have to play Jared Butler more. So, is this team married to Quinn Snyder? I, it's very clear they're not going to make a, uh, any kind of change in the regular season. This summer, I think you have to look at making a coaching change. I think that's number one. And if you keep Quinn Snyder, you've got to bring in players that he will play. Because it's clear to me, he does not want to play Jared Butler. Mm-hmm. He does not want to play Elijah Hughes. Mm-hmm. And you look at the guys getting minutes. I think you look at Yudoka Azabuki. He's not an NBA center because, frankly, he's just not athletic enough and he's not refined enough to be a starting center in the NBA. Now, last night he plays 28 minutes. He gives you seven rebounds or seven points and 14 rebounds, right? But other than that, I, I mean, the rebounding thing is going to happen on this team. Yeah. You need, a, you need, that, you need that center to be – Somebody that can give you points, can play defense, can be a role player. Yes. They win when their centers are role players. And I look at Yudoka Azubuki, he doesn't need to be a superstar for this team to win. I, I look at Hassan Whiteside, who's still coming off the bench. You don't need him to be a superstar for this team to win. And I, I think that's what, when you you look at what Rudy Gobert is, Rudy Gobert wants to be the middle of everything. And frankly, when you're a prototypical big, that's not going to win in today's NBA. Mm-hmm. That's just not the way this league is set up. And I, I know we talk about this a lot, but I bring this up because you look at how this team plays when one guy's out and another guy's in and different combinations. I think this the, the, the thing we learned last night is it doesn't matter what combination of guys you play. This team doesn't have it defensively. Yeah. You look at Julius Randle, who's been one of the biggest enigmas in the league this year, and he puts up 30 points five times and six boards on you. You look at R.J. Barrett with 23. 
again, I'll just look at Mitchell Robinson with 19 points and 21 boards, right? You, you just are not good defensively right now as the Utah Jazz. So you're going to change those wing players. You're going to change those parts. But this ultimately comes down to the same conversation that we've been having on this show for two years. Is it Rudy or is it Don? And I don't think there's any doubt in my mind it's Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I just, and I think Don is more catered to what, again, you, you, you want to you build your team around the teams that are having success in the league. You know, you look at, again, look at the dynamic the best teams in the league bro, currently have. Bro, look at the Bulls and Suns last night. Yeah, you look at the Bulls, you look at the Man. Suns, you look at the Grizzlies, you know, you, you look at these teams who have you look know, at the Warriors last night yeah I, like I said you, you 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 there's two there's two maps to success there's two paths to success in the league right now you either have one mainstay superstar on your two, team who's clearly the number one and you have a, a, a two to three player combo of role players who know what their role is and do it at an extremely high level yes. that's that's path number one path number two is more what the Warriors have two guys who clearly are the best players on the team, mixed with a bunch of guys who you can swap in and out depending on the matchup. And those two guys got to have it. So either way. I don't know. I think the Warriors with Andrew Wiggins' emergence this year, the Warriors with Wiggins, Curry, and Clay. I I got bad news for you. Clay Thompson's three-pointer is starting to go down. And you can see that he now has, like, game legs under him. So he's getting elevation on that three again and – they're scary good. And by the way, they still don't have Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. And, I, man, I look at the contribution that they're getting from guys like Poole. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga last night. Again, I know that you guys hate when I talk about Jonathan Kaminga on this show, but 12 points, four boards, four assists, and he played 23 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, in, in the, the dunk he had last night, that's the big that I want, right? That's the power forward that I want. You know, like I, I look at, I look at Curry Thompson, Clay Thompson last night, three of eight, but two of those three, the last two threes he made were critical three pointers, mm-hmm. like put the game away. I, I just think that's how you got to build your team. I think you need two, two guys that can get them basket whenever they want. And you need a third guy who can pick, pick up the rest of the team. Yeah. And right now you have one guy, you have one guy. And I'll go to my grave saying it. Donovan Mitchell is a generational talent. Donovan Mitchell is the superstar that this team needs to be built around. Donovan Mitchell is your franchise player. That's every day. Do it. Go all in on him. Build around him. And when I say build around him, create an atmosphere that caters to what he does best. Mm -hmm. Let him be creative. Let him go to the basket. Let him shoot when he wants. I would encourage Donovan Mitchell to spend this entire summer working to become an elite mid-range player. I watched a game in Chicago last night with the Bulls and Suns that was one in the mid-range. I I look at DeMar. I look at Book. I look at Chris Paul. You know, I'm not much of a Zach Levine fan, but even the way he's playing in the mid-range, mm-hmm. he's got that stop and drop that's just – That's what this league's becoming, right? But all those guys can do what? They all can shoot the three really well. Don already shoots the three really well. Don already gets to the basket really well. Become a lethal mid-range player this summer. Yeah. Because he's already got the ability. Yeah. I mean, Don can play in the mid-range. Now that needs to become a trademark. Yeah, I think he just needs to, 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 you know, enhance his ability to – 
to mess with teams in the mid-range. I mean, like, if you think about, you know, again, like Chris Paul. You know, Chris Paul isn't the most athletic guy in the league anymore. Chris Paul certainly isn't the most explosive guy in the league anymore. But, man, that handles elite, and he knows how to get to his spots, and, and that's what Don needs to learn. And you can't run on him. This is And this is an important conversation if you're a Jazz fan. How do you beat the Utah Jazz? Well, you get out and you run, right? Yeah. You get after it because they lack athleticism. The difference with Chris Paul is Chris Paul is is not the most athletic point guard, oh, excuse me, point guard in the NBA. Mm -hmm. But right. he's crafty, he gets around, he shoots well, and he's got a bunch of dudes around him. Did you see Mikael Bridges' defense last night? Like that's the guy, man, how a how is Mikael Bridges not an all-star? Yeah. Right with with all due respect to Deontay Murray, like how is how is Mikael Bridges not an all-star? But, like, that supporting cast is what the Jazz need to go and find. But I think the thing from the mid-range is the other thing that nobody ever talks about is when you're making shots from the mid-range, it doesn't allow the other team to get out in transition and, and run. That's the thing. Like, with this Jazz team, a problem they've had is with all the threes they're shooting, when they don't shoot the three well, like last night is a, a decent example. You know, you shoot 25% from three. You know, a lot of those threes turn into longer rebounds that, that, the, that the Knicks or whoever you're playing are going to get. And they're going to get out and run. So imagine yes. a, a situation in, in a Utah, the, a version of this Jazz team that really embraces the mid range and finds a way to to make a lot of those shots. I know the three ball is kind of like the home run in baseball. Everybody wants to see it. It's what we all talk about. But winning championships is from the mid, mid range. It always has been that way, uh, and and I think it will always continue to be that way because that's where the offensive player can control the the pace on that end of the floor. And, and that's what they need to get better at. Well, and I also think that there was this discussion, um, you know, in the post-show comments on YouTube yesterday about whether or not defense wins you championships in this league. Mm -hmm. And I, I, again, say defense is really important. I agree with that 100%. But the best players in this league, again, DeMar DeRozan, Devin Booker, like the guys putting the ball through the hoop this year, um, the John Morants of the world, Kevin Durant. What are you going to do? You're the best defensive player in the NBA. You're not stopping Kevin Durant. Yeah. You're the best defensive team in the NBA. You're not stopping Kevin Durant. And I think the thing that the, where my mind always takes me in this conversation is, you know, I think of some of the great, like I think of that Giannis block in last year's finals where yes. he's playing the pick and roll and he has that kind of series, you know, championship defining play. And I, my thought when that happened was, man, that was just really poor execution in the pick and roll. I mean, you, you, you did not put yourself in a good position to score, and that gave Giannis the ability to go ahead and make that play. And, and when I think about, think about all the best moments in the NBA over the last three decades, whether you want to look at Jordan or Kobe or LeBron or Kevin, even Steph, like Kyrie, like yeah, Kyrie, exactly. I mean, Steph was in Kyrie's face on that sidestep three that won him a championship, and he still made it. And that's why I say. It's great. It's not a slight against Rudy Gobert to say that that's great. You're a defensive player of the year three times. That doesn't mean you're a championship. It's a huge accomplishment. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that you're a championship caliber player. Well, and look at Giannis. Why has Giannis become the most dominant force in the NBA? Yeah. Because he's knocking down the mid. He is lethal in the mid-range. His offensive game has developed. He no longer has to bully his way to the basket to score. And I think, you know, we also saw this, and it, it should be stated, we saw this this process play out with LeBron in his game. LeBron, if you go back and you look at LeBron film, LeBron was explosive, dunk on you, going to physically dominate you guy for probably 10 years. 
And then, you know, when he had to kind of remake his body because his back was starting to, to give him problems, he realized, okay, I can't be that guy anymore. I got to start to be a, a, a pick and pop, you know, Swiss army knife on the offensive and end. And he's really guy. rebuilt his three point shot. Yeah. You know, like I, I just look around the league and I, I look at the teams, you know, that are truly competing for a championship right now. And, and it, they are all, they're all very balanced. They're very good offensively. I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies are probably the best example of a team that's gotten much better offensively, but they've also gotten much better defensively, you know, on a team standpoint. But you look at how that team came together, not not from a not from a GM building a team perspective, but like like the guys in the locker room, not just Ja, but like, you know, your Desmond Baines, your Jaron Jackson Juniors, like these guys that are the fundamental core pieces of the team have come together and that's what I'm curious about with yeah, these Utah I mean Jazz they've team. aged though I mean it, it see and I I but this is the other side of the Jazz conversation the the Memphis Grizzlies are very young they're still very young um and they are good that coming together happens through growth and maturity I mean it's the same thing with the Golden State Warriors the Golden State Warriors didn't become one of the best teams in the history of the NBA because they weren't mature and then when Steph Clay and Draymond all grew up a little bit mm-hmm that's when you started seeing them turn into this juggernaut. Anyway, you're near there. The point is, I just think this Utah Jazz team, you, you're seeing why Don is so special. That's really what it comes down to. Let's get your comments. Good morning to uh, Edgar Garcia, Eric and Raleigh, Rudy Sanchez, James Knight. What's up with you? The Blind Swordsman says, uh, morning, boys. Donovan Mitchell would went off for 45 if he wasn't tired from rest. <laughs> He's taking a lot of time off recently. I think, recently. you know, I, I, I see what you're getting at there. But I also think that that you're seeing, you know, the way Don's playing is partially because he is rested. I mean, he has fresh legs. He's able to do what he wants to do. Like, like these are, this is, I I think right now the way Donovan Mitchell is playing, I think is 80% of what he can actually be. I think there's still another 20% in in decision making, in shot selection, in how I think he's his going about max it. right now is eighty percent of his ability. Yes, I, I, I think yeah. there he needs to that twenty percent is gonna. Yeah. I think that twenty percent is defense in mid range. But I think that twenty percent will ultimately take him and this team should they do this build this retool if you want to call it that. You know this this roster movement. Uh, if they do that right, and he adds that twenty percent, they're going to be an NBA Finals threat. Yep. What's up, Dane? Good morning, JP Shanahan. Shanahan. Uh, Shanahan. Yeah. Uh, Brylark says Jazz still going to lose in the first round. They are too bad. Yep. James Knight says uh, Donovan will be a better player than Booker when their careers are done. Okay. Cool, man. Uh, Steve uh, Hambone says it was nice to see some defense and some real hustle from the bench players. Well, I also think that this is the you're you're looking at one of the worst weeks in an NBA player's career because it is the NBA trade deadline, and I think you know that's one of the things we need to talk about today. Like the Jazz and the Boston Celtics are their their trade talks with Marcus Smart are dead. Um, you know, uh, talking to people around the league yesterday, the the Boston Celtics want John Collins in Atlanta and they're willing to give up quite a bit to get him. And I think that Atlanta has the ability to trade John Collins wherever they want to send him. Um, you know, and I, I think if, if John Collins doesn't wind up in Boston, I think Marcus Smart winds up in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why one of the things you're seeing with the jazz and one of their biggest struggles is they don't have the ammunition of a John Collins. They don't have the ammunition of a McDaniels and Malik Beasley, and they don't have pieces to move. 
And the Jazz, as it was explained to me, have tried almost at a desperate level to make a deal over the last seven days, and they've not even gotten close. Yeah. And it's because, you know, like one of the one of the deals, and I don't believe there was ever a Joe Ingles for Robert Cummington trade, to be right. clear. I don't believe that conversation straight up and ever excuse happened. Me, excuse me, it's Rocco, please. It's Rocco, right? Thank you. Thank God, you. Shut up. Thank you. Man. Uh, but the point is, I don't believe that the Jazz were ever engaged with the Portland Trailblazers 1v1 Robert Covington and Joe Ingles. Yeah. And the guys, I, I just, I've never heard that not once. Now, I've heard that there was a Robert Covington deal. I've heard the Jazz, you know, had interest in CJ McCollum, who I also think is going to wind up being traded. Um, you know, you you look at what the Jazz are trying to do and you look at the guys that we know that they've been pursuing, they just don't have the nuts to make those deals happen. Right. And it's it's frustrating and it's unfortunate. But I don't know now, and I, I thought for sure the Jazz would make a trade before the deadline. I don't know now that the Jazz will make a, even a single deal before the deadline. Mm-hmm. There's, a good, there's a good chance they do not. There's a smaller chance they do. But they're going to have to be a third team. They, I don't believe they will make a one v one, you know, one, you know, the Jazz make a deal with Washington one v one. They're going to have to be in a three or four team deal to to make a move. Yeah, and I still maintain the two players that are most likely to be shipped out are Jordan Clarkson and, and Boyan Bogdanovich because they have the most value. I know for a fact that Philadelphia values Boyan Bogdanovich because they would like to add him. Um, he brings them that level of shooting. They need another 20 point guy and a guy that you can get, you know, set up on the wing, drive and kick, knock down a three, because right now, whether this Ben Simmons trade happens, and I'm not convinced the Ben Simmons trade happens either. Right. But if you look at it, at James Harden for Ben Simmons, what's the one thing that's going to happen here? Well, you probably have a pretty good chance that Thibel goes out in that deal. If I if I'm Brooklyn, I'm probably going to need Thibel in that deal. Yeah. But if you look around the rest of that 76er roster, there's almost no doubt that Seth Curry's going to have to go somewhere in that deal, mm-hmm. right? One of those two guys goes out, and then you're going to have to have a piece there. But either way, the Sixers, if they trade Ben Simmons and you include a Seth Curry in that deal, you need a knockdown three point guy. Boyan Bogdanovich fits that bill perfectly, and in my mind, the Jazz could be a third team in that deal to help balance books, move draft picks around. That deal could happen with the Jazz. I don't know. I know that 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 Justin Zanuck and Danny Ainge have been trying to find their way as a third team because they simply have not been able to even get close on a deal for one of their guys to go here to get me X, Y, or Z. Right. They're just not in those conversations. And I think, you know, the, the, the shocking thing to me is that John Collins is so readily available. He is, to me, the answer to so many problems in this league. If I am the Dallas Mavericks, and one of the teams I heard yesterday, the Chicago Bulls have gotten involved in John Collins under the radar Mm -hmm. because one of the things we know about the Bulls and the Mavericks, neither one of them have a center that can really, you know, be be a big but also be multifaceted, shoot a three, get to the basket, play defense. John Collins checks all those boxes. So it is shocking to me that a guy of that value is so readily available mm-hmm. if you have the pieces to make that deal. I think the other I think the other guy that is that is very interesting is CJ McCollum. I'm interested to see where CJ ends up. Um I don't think there's any question that Portland wants to move pieces and they want to they want to begin 
a, a rebuild of sorts. I think Portland wants to rebuild on the fly. That's why I don't think you're going to see Damian Lillard the rest of this year. I think he is a guy that physically needs to be rebuilt and have some time off. Don't forget D Lillard, you know, you know, I don't, I want to be careful. Probably exacerbated or worsened this abdominal injury playing in the Olympic tournament. Um, so again, he's a guy that's had a lot of miles, a lot of playoff minutes. Then he goes to the Olympics, hurts the abdominal, doesn't play much this year. Yeah. I think what they want to do is retool and have a healthy Damian Lillard to finish his career in Portland and give him a chance to win a championship. Because let's be honest, right now, CJ and Dame have not worked. No. That's not been a combination. <laughs> and you can see you've slowly begun to move pieces around in Portland. Gary Trent Jr. is no longer there. Obviously, now Norman Powell and Rocco are no longer there. <laughs> so you're beginning to see the the Jazz and the Blazers, and I know that people got pissed when I said this a couple of months ago, the Jazz and the Blazers are in the exact same position. Mm-hmm. Dame and CJ have worked to a certain extent, right? Don and Rudy has worked to a certain extent, but now you've got to start, you know, making over the roster to go somewhere else, go to the next it. level. You got to improve it. And so I think that's why I think you're going to see a CJ trade because they're they're all in on Dame. Yeah. And there's going to be some upset people in Portland when that deal happens, but I think he he and John Collins, I think those are the two guys that could 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 and will be moved. I don't see that this Ben Simmons, James Harden trade can be made now. I just don't think that I don't think that the 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 Brooklyn Nets know exactly how they value James Harden. Well, and if you're Philly, you got balls trading trading your best player up the street. Up the street, like I you mean, know, that's ballsy as hell. Because you, you're going to run into Ben if if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, you're going to run into Ben Simmons if you trade him in the Eastern Conference, especially to Brooklyn. Yeah, I don't like that deal at all. Yeah. Um, but I just don't think, and one of the things that, that I heard yesterday was that Brooklyn doesn't have a real value on James Harden because I think this Brooklyn experiment to be truthful is damaged James Harden's reputation around the league. Yeah. I don't think people look at James Harden as the killer. He was in Houston anymore. And that's a problem. No. And he wouldn't be that guy in Philly either, by the way, you, you, you if you're the 76ers, you're not trading for James Harden to become the rock of that. I don't that know. Franchise. I, I honestly am not sure. You know, I mean, obviously Embiid's the guy, of course, but I, but I think that you know, if you're going to trade for James Harden, I mean, you have to find a balance there. I mean, the, you you're going to have to figure out, you know, how do we get James enough looks, but how do we, you know, how do we continue to feed Embiid because he's been dominant. He's having, you know, probably his best year ever. He's, you know, obviously in the MVP conversation. Like, you're going to have to find that balance. But that's why I think they're probably. That probably is a summer deal, just thinking about it, because if you're Philly and Brooklyn, you want to be able to to kind of have some time to smooth all this out. You know, you don't want to just throw these guys into the mix and hope for the best type deal, even though that's basically what Brooklyn's been doing the whole year, like just throwing guys on the floor, you know, and hoping for the best because of the Kyrie COVID thing and injuries and everything that's gone on. So, Well, and the other guy you got to talk about is Pascal Siakam. Um, and if he, is he truly a guy that has up, you know, big upside because he's been a disappointment the last two years in Toronto. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He was not a foundational piece in their championship, uh, by most people's beliefs. Obviously a lot of people feel like Kawhi and, and Lowry are the reasons that that team really, you know, was able to cement their, their championship path. Mm -hmm. Um, but you look at, you look at Scotty Barnes and you look at, at 
Pascal Siakam. Those two guys are are two other names that you could see moved. Um, you know, obviously Fred Van Vliet's not going anywhere in Toronto, um, but I think there's a real opportunity for for you know for championship caliber teams to get better. Yeah, and Brooklyn, I think, Brooklyn. Not to, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. I think Brooklyn and Philadelphia both need this deal to happen like today. They need to move on from Ben Simmons. Yeah. And Brooklyn needs to move on from this thing that they have going because the real issue is you're without Kevin Durant and you're without Kyrie Irving for home games right now. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Now you're also without James Harden because he's got a hamstring and a hand injury. Mm-hmm. And you're <coughs> excuse me, you're looking at a situation where I don't know what Brooklyn does if they don't go and get a Ben Simmons. Yeah. I, I don't know what that does. And and to your point on Ben Simmons in Philly, oh, I think he's a perfect fit for one particular reason, that Joel Embiid, A, realizes he can't do it alone, but B, he's an incredible passer. The guy has the ability, and, and I think what they want to get back to is putting Joel Embiid at the elbow and letting him create either for himself or for James Harden. Right. And that's when this team was at its best. And I, I think... One of the things that really stands out to me is how vulnerable Milwaukee is at the top of the East. I think everybody knows that the Bulls are not big enough in the middle to win the Eastern Conference. I, I think that's universally accepted. So if they don't go and get John Collins, and I still maintain if he gets moved, it's to Dallas. But if if the Bulls don't go get John Collins or another center to complement Vucevic, who I think is is just butter soft. Mm-hmm. I, I think he is the wrong guy there, but I understand why they traded for him. But if the Bulls don't go and get a big, the Milwaukee Bucks are incredibly vulnerable at the top of the East. And it'll be interesting to see if anybody makes a move, because who are the real contenders in the East? Obviously, Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't think Milwaukee. the Bulls... I, I wouldn't put the Bulls in a championship conversation. Oh, I mean, I, I mean not... You mean the Eastern Conference champion? Yeah, as they are constructed right now, I just don't think the Bulls. The Bulls just can't play bully ball. Philly, well, Brooklyn, um, I think without question, Milwaukee all can bully you in the middle of the paint. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I could see a path where the Bulls would get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They wouldn't win it, but I could see a path where they get there. Mm. And I, I think that would be I, tough. I, I think that I, I think that the advantage that Milwaukee has over anybody in the East is Giannis. I think Giannis is the X factor that allows them to do what they're able to do. And I think that, you know, if you're going to beat Milwaukee, you have to have a big that's mobile and uh, pulls Giannis away from the rim on defense. And I By think the way, that, and you know who – and you know one of the guys that everybody points at mm-hmm. to make that happen mm-hmm. is John Collins. Right. Is the mobile big who can pull Giannis away from the basket. Now, he's a better player than John Collins is. But on defense, on the defensive end, Giannis has to respect Collins. Yeah, well, and I think that the the thing, and and this is kind of what the Jazz and other teams suffer from. Like, you know, if you have a big that's a threat in the in the pick and roll game, is in terms of lobs and in terms of being able to make an elbow jumper, mm-hmm. that really changes what the defense has to kind of respect. So I just think that, yeah, John Collins. I wouldn't be surprised if they move John Collins. I, it would be a real shame if he went to Dallas because I still think. If he goes to Dallas, they're still going to lose because I don't think Luka is a championship caliber player at all. But I think if the Bulls were to get John Collins, I think that completely changes the, the the power position in the East. I think 
that DeMar DeRozan knows how to use players to to get a result that he wants. But what do you give up to get – if you're the Chicago Bulls? I mean, obviously, Dosumu is untouchable. Yeah, you Io is not up. going – I yeah. mean, not – but I'm willing to give up a Javante Green. I'm willing – it's going to take a lot. It's going to take significant picks and – and arguably your, you know, one of your top, probably one of your, not your top three, but probably one of the, the you know, the the next best five players on your roster. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to get picks because Atlanta doesn't need a superstar. What Atlanta, Atlanta needs quality depth that can be counted on. Yeah, consistency. That's what Atlanta needs, right? So I, I look at, I look at where the Bulls are now. They are not better than the Miami Heat, in my opinion. They are not better than Milwaukee. But I don't know what Brooklyn is. If Brooklyn's got their three guys healthy, the Bulls are not better than the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know that anybody's better than the Brooklyn Nets. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess I have more faith in the Bulls. Like, I think we they've been playing hurt for how long now? I mean, you haven't had Caruso. You haven't, I mean, you haven't had Lonzo. You haven't had Lonzo Ball. DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine in the lineup, it, it can't be more than a handful of games. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I think when they're all together, they're a very <coughs> dynamic team. They are tough to defend. And I think that Lonzo brings a, a level of toughness. The problem is, is that he can't stay healthy. He, he's he, got knee he, problems. He is, he's a tough guy, but his body just won't keep up with him. And I think that, I think the Bulls can be a problem. I think the Bulls at 100% could could get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think they're an NBA Finals team, but I think they could get to the Eastern Conference Finals. The other question is, what are the Lakers going to do with Russell Westbrook? Because there's a lot of people, you know, who, who A, think that they could trade him into a buyout contender. They could buy him out. And they are going to be very creative and aggressive leading up to Thursday. I mean, they're one of the teams that, that most people think are trying to get Julius Randle because he would be a phenomenal ad uh, for the Lakers. The problem is that you just don't have the cap and you probably don't have the assets to get him mm-hmm. as you're currently constructed. Um, they're also trying to get Montrez Harrell back. But again, same circumstance there. I wonder how active the Knicks will be because I do think that if you put Julius Randle, again, in any of the contenders in the East, Philly, Boston, Brooklyn certainly would love a Julius Randle-type player in the paint. Um, you put him on any of the contenders in the West. Um, I mean, Julius Randle's a guy that, that can top you off for a championship. Yeah, for sure. I just don't know if the Knicks are willing to trade him, even as even as unhappy as those two have been together. I, I think the Knicks want to be involved in the McCollum thing. That's what I think. I think the Knicks want to find a dynamic wing that can lead their team. That's what I think. And I think they understand that R.J. Barrett still needs development. And I think that, you know, a McCollum level. He's close, level, though. Yeah, he's close. R.J. is but really I, I close. I think he still needs more development. He does. And I think that, you know, uh, a McCollum-esque player can can bring that development. And I think that. You know, Julius has there's a video going around about him getting into that spat on the bench with the, the you know, the coach. And, you know, Julius has been, you know, up and down emotionally this season. And I think, yep. you know, he he's passed his best times with the Knicks. And I and I wouldn't be surprised if they moved him. But I highly doubt they would ship him out in the east. I think that Julius is too good to trade him in your own conference. You got to trade him out west. And I think Portland's your suitor. I think that Portland would love to pair Dame with Julius, and, mm. and then they can add around that. So I would not be surprised if that happened. 
Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Austin Lewis says, good morning to my favorite casuals. No bidet yet? No bidet, bro. Haven't, no bidet. Haven't, casual. Yeah, haven't added a bidet yet. He also says, Rudy for Randall. There's only one. No. No, I don't think so. I, I, I think the Jazz are not going to make a foundational trade like that until the summer. Because I think you got to sit around the table when you're not playing games in the offseason. The week after the season ends. And the last week of the season, you're probably going to make a firm plan. Hey, are we keeping Quinn? You know, hey, is Justin Zanuck going to be our GM going forward? Like, and then the day the season ends, the next day, you're going to make significant, you know, front office coaching changes. Right. And then I think after that, you got to make a decision. And they know already. They know what they're doing. I mean, you have to make a decision on, you know, how to best move forward with this team and this roster. Yeah. Um, because you just don't have a clear path to rebuild them. So, but I don't think I, they're not going to trade him now. James Knight says you could argue a certain big at the Bucks had a big say in their their title last season. Well, you know, obviously Brooke Lopez is a is a Brooke Lopez is a beast. But when you look at when you look at Brooke Lopez, compare him to Rudy Gobert. There's no comparison. Brooke Lopez is a far more mobile center. Brooke Lopez is a guy that can shoot the three. He can shoot the mid-range. He can play at the rim. You'll remember when Giannis was hurt last year, he hurt that knee in their run. Where did Brooke Lopez end up? Mm -hmm. With his back to the basket. And he played at the rim. And when Giannis came back, you know, he was still shooting threes. Brooke Lopez is known as, a, as a, an elite shooter. And he has an offensive game at all three levels. From three, from mid-range, and with his back to the basket. And... Yeah, he absolutely was an important part of their championship last year. Mm -hmm. And I think he's the guy that, <coughs> excuse me, I think he's the guy that perfectly illustrates the shortcomings of, of, a, of a Rudy Gobert, the limitations of a Rudy Gobert. I think when you look at what Brooke Lopez does, they can ask him to do anything because he can do everything. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the biggest difference. Uh, Eric and Raleigh says, why would the Knicks make a trade? Make that trade, Austin. I don't I don't know that they would. I don't know that he was serious about that. Rudy Gobert would not have let Mitchell Robinson get 21 rebounds. No, I agree with that. I, I don't think there's any doubt that Rudy Gobert's highest best use is defense. He's the best rebounder in the NBA. And I don't know that there's even a conversation for number two. I mean, he is the Rudy Gobert is the best rebounder in the NBA. Mm -hmm. Period. End of the story. When you talk about who the best rebounder is, it's Rudy Gobert, and then who cares who's second because he's far and away the best board board guy in, in the NBA. Neville 93, good morning to you. He says, I want Jack in the box. Yeah, me too. I'm yeah, ready. Bro. Going yes. to LA Saturday. Can't wait. Yes, I want it. Neville, I'll be thinking of you as I as, as I have. As we get Jack in the box in St. George. You're damn right. And then probably in high desert as well. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, what's up with it, fellas? JB, what's up? Good to see you, Jeremy. I appreciate you. James Knight says, give me Azabuki ahead of Whiteside. His body language and effort is disgraceful. Totally agree. Yeah. Hassan Whiteside. Hassan Whiteside should be uh, generationally wealthy right now. The guy should have, the guy should be one of the highest paid bigs in the NBA. And he's on a million dollar contract because he just is not mentally tough. Yeah. He's not strong. He's none of that. And it is, it's incredible to me, um, boy, that video of Gordon okay, Hayward's no, leg. I'm, I'm good. Oh, I'm good. Uh, man. I'm good. It is so awkward. Gordon Hayward's ankle sprain last night. Anyway, uh, game bucket boys. 
Uh, okay. Says, bro, I told you that Jazz are good. They just were not healthy. No, dude, you didn't. Okay, so I don't disagree that Jazz are good. I mean, the Jazz are a good team, but are we all here to, to go out in the first round every year? What does good mean? What does that mean? Like, like you're not a good team if you go out in the first round every year. You're not. Like, by championship <laughs> standards, like, again, I, I, I think we have to be careful saying, hey, this is a good team. Are they a playoff team? Sure. But making the playoffs isn't the standard for this team. I mean, that's not what they're here to do. Michael Burton says Harden let himself go in the final season of Rockets to get out. And I think this has impacted his game by playing uh, by playing more forward with the Nuts. I don't think he's in bad shape. I, I honestly don't think that James Harden is out of shape or fat or I think James Harden is a big dude. Mm-hmm. And I think could James Harden be in better shape? Sure, he could. Fat, but he is. I don't. Th- I don't think he's fat. I. Re- I really. I think that fat. that's a misnomer. Mm-hmm. I. I. I, re- I really do. Um, <coughs> this cough is killing me. <coughs> like I. I don't cough during the day, and it's probably because I'm. I'm using my voice and projecting my voice, and mm-hmm. I didn't cough almost at all. I think I might have coughed twice the entire day yesterday. Right. Yeah, and then I sit down at this microphone, and all <coughs> I can do is cough. <coughs> Mfers eBay, uh, the Sofa Surfer says, what about Ukraine? Just kidding. Go Jazz. Thank you. This is fucking America. Uh, (laughs) Love that. Uh, Caleb says, does anyone else notice that other teams isolate Bogey on defense and then straight up abuse him? Oh, that's the game plan every night. Nightly basis. Yeah, that's the game plan every night, Caleb. talk about that a lot. No doubt about it. Randall uh, was dominating him. Bogey could not stop him. Dominating him. My question is, why was Eric Paschal not on Julius Randall? That's what I want to know. Why was the guy in Eric Pascal, who is a brute physically, not tasked with, hey, beat up Julius Randle? Even I don't if know. even if even if Julius went for 30 on Pascal, let's make Julius's life miserable doing it. You know, like let's at least put up a fight. But to ask to ask Boyan Bogdanovich to guard Julius is is a joke. I mean, that's just not good enough. No. Uh Caleb also said and Caleb, didn't you go to the game last night? I, I think I follow Caleb and I follow each other on, on Instagram. I think you were at the game last night. Um, what if we made a trade for Kevin Love that would be a great role player for the Jazz? Well, I said that yeah, a long time ago. I think his skill set is what this team lacks, a bench big. I don't even know that you need to start Kevin Love because I think his highest best use is 25 minutes a night. Um, but Kevin Love, the again, the Brooke Lopez conference. He can play at three levels and he's a really good rebounder. Yeah. People forget that Kevin Love is one of the best rebounders in the NBA. And he can shoot the three and he can play he can play on the block. Yeah. I, I like Kevin Love's skill set a lot. He's making a ton of money though. Uh Jeremy Bolton says Jazz need Jay Crowder or Rafael Arojo. Araujo? Verjal to enforce some fools. They Jay Crowder. Again, hits another big three for the Suns last night. I'll drop that motherfucker. Jeremy Bolton says, James Harden's not fat and Grizzly Adams had a beard. Exactly right. Brylark says, James Harden needs to get on the Carmelo Anthony training regiment. He, he does. <laughs> he does. He, and, but I also think that Carmelo Anthony almost lost his career. Yeah. Like, he was done. He went to Chris Brickley, got in an elite shape, became an elite shooter, and now he is a vital part of the, the Lakers. And before that, the Blazers. Um, John Jackson says, regular season and playoffs are two very different levels of playing. Thank yes. you. Uh, Caleb says, uh, yes, I was at the game, and I, uh, Kevin Love's a great outlet passer. Yes, he is. 
Uh, Top Ramen says, Mark Eaton's back to the basket game is better than Rudy's. Wow. Wow. Well, you know. I I, th- I don't – one of the things that, that we hear a lot about is that we hate Rudy Gobert on this show. It's not that we hate Rudy Gobert. I just think you have to be brutally honest about what his limitations are. Yeah. You're In, in professional sports, the, the hard thing is when you talk about guys, you know what their best is. But how willing are you to admit what their their worst is and what their limitations are and how those limitations impact your top end as an organization? Never. And Rudy Gobert's top end really limits the Jazz' ability to win a championship. And when you pay a guy forty one million dollars a year, there can be you can pay Kevin Love or you can pay Kevin Durant forty one million dollars a year. You can pay LeBron James forty one million dollars a year. You cannot pay Rudy Gobert $41 million a year. And I know, again, the contract seems unfair that that's always what comes up, but it's the reality it's of professional truth, sports, bro. man. It is the truth. It, it really is. I, I, what trade, uh, what major trade do you guys see happening? What's the most likely? Um, I think, I think, you know, I, I don't have any doubt um, that, you know, Jeremy Grant probably gets moved. Um, I think, I don't know who's the best player. Who's a better player, John Collins or Jeremy Grant. I think those two, those two likely get moved. I think they will move CJ McCollum. I I think think CJ McCollum's a guy that could get moved. Um, I think the Knicks want him and I think the Knicks are a little over the Julius Randall attitude problem. Yeah. I, you know, I, I look at the Karis Levert deal. Mm Mm-hmm. And I look at I look at some of these deals that have been going on, and you can just see it's it's just that percolating at the surface thing. Right. There's gonna be a deal, and my guess is it'll happen tomorrow. Right. There will be a major deal that will will tip everybody you know over, and guys will start making deals because right now I just think that Philly, Philadelphia cannot waste this season out of Joel Embiid. He's healthy. Yeah, we're really focused on Philadelphia right now. I mean, he's healthy. He is playing at an MVP level. It's why the Bulls are trying to get John Collins. Yeah. You've got a guy in DeMar DeRozan. I mean, if you look at, at Philly, you've got a guy in Joel Embiid that's playing at his best ever. He's carrying you. And he has no help doing that. Tobias Harris be damned. He has no help doing that. So you need to go and get him help. Because Milwaukee's vulnerable, yeah. right? So you're going to do that. You have the Chicago Bulls that you have a star in Zach Levine who has not been able to stay healthy, but when he plays, you're getting incredible minutes out of him. You're getting an MVP performance out of DeMar DeRozan, and you would think at some point, you know, that Caruso and Ball and Javante Green and all these guys will be able to get together, be healthy, and make a run. Yeah. So if you add John Collins to that, you feel like, okay, all of a sudden, the Bulls are now Eastern Conference championship caliber. Yeah. Those are the guys that need just that little push over the edge to make a deal. Yeah. Right? I I think the Jazz are desperate to make a deal. They just don't have the ability to do so. Mm -hmm. So I think you're talking about two very different places in time. Um, Caleb says, Pistons need another guard. Killian Hayes is not it. I agree. Killian Hayes is a huge disappointment because – I, man, you remember when he came in, we, he showed some stuff mm-hmm. and it's just not been there consistently. And you look at Cade Cunningham, you want to talk about, is it it? Cade Cunningham is it. Bonafide star. Again, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful human being. That is a good looking dude 
who is just a mean, ugly MFer on the floor who wants to kill you. I'm for real. I love that attitude. I'm for real. I, I love that. And so that's what I love about all these young guys. Mm -hmm. You see this next crop of superstars coming, right? Like you see John ja Morant. Memphis is going to be – you don't want to play Memphis in a series. You don't want to play Memphis in a series, right? No, you don't. You look at Giddy in Oklahoma City, you don't want to see that guy. Because that guy – him and – I don't know if Lou Dort ever turns into a consistent performer. Physically, he's consistent. Oklahoma City's got some talent. You look at the Houston Rockets, 18 months from now, my God, they're all going to be killers, right? Yeah. I look at Golden State, I want nothing to do with Golden State because I – well, you already know what that is. I mean, you already know. There is some there is some talent in this league that is young. And man, it's going the next 5 years, I think we could see balance and absolute throat punching in the playoffs. <laughs> like, like Yeah, Charlotte. Look at what Charlotte's go. And what is going on with Bulk Knight? Where did he go? Somebody asked that on uh, Mad Dog Radio yesterday on Sirius XM. I don't know. Man, I'm telling you, Charlotte's got dudes. <laughs> yeah. Miami's got dudes. I mean. Everybody's it, got dudes. It's who can put it together. Yeah, you need to look out for Minnesota. I didn't even mention Minnesota yet. Yeah. I mean, if Minnesota gets a guy like Marcus Smart, do you really Ronnie want. Kane and B12. Man, do you want to see Get them in a series? Get it going. Do you want to see that T-Wolves team in Bro, a series? Pat Bev came back and already and, and was already <laughs> causing havoc, man. I mean, it, it just is – They, I'm telling you. You take out you you take out the ability and the need to rely on Patrick Beverly because you brought in Marcus Smart? Good luck. There, I mean, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Jazz can only beat Dallas in the playoffs probably. Uh, Cam Harrison says, morning, guys. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Hey, there he is. What's up? Good to see you, Cam. All right. So we're an hour into this show now. Right. Can we please talk about Joe Rogan again? Bet you weren't expecting this one. <laughs> okay, we're only talking about Joe Rogan for two, for two reasons. 100 milli and Dana White said this. He's a brilliant guy. He does his homework and he knows what he's talking about. And guess what? This is fucking America. And you can have your own opinions about these things and you can voice them. That's what, that's what this fucking country was built on. And all these little whiny fucking pussies that don't like it. Too fucking bad, man. Too bad. Dana White, the owner Buddy went in. and czar of, this, of the UFC defending Joe Rogan. And all these little whiny fucking pussies that don't like it. Too fucking bad, man. Too bad. He ain't wrong. I'm not a Joe Rogan guy, as oh. we've talked about for a week on this show. I am Dude. not a Joe Rogan guy. Um, oh my God. Yeah, my God. How do you not love that from Dana White? The podcast has been <clears throat> accused of spreading dangerous misinformation. What the hell is Rumble? Now, I don't, I don't partake in much uh, other than Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You know. That's the core. I don't even know what Rumble is. I've looked at it a couple of times. I'm not interested. But they offered Joe Rogan a $100 million lump sum payment to take his show from Spotify to Rumble. Are people myring? And then what did you say to me over text when I sent you that? He's bulletproof. Dude is bulletproof. And then I said, what the hell is Rumble? Because I never heard of it. 
and and yeah i don't know dude okay why well, I, I got a call at 6 10 this morning who, who the fuck are you that's never good when you get a call from an, Bro, who from the hell a is calling you from a block number i don't even know what do they leave a voicemail do, i mean hello no they didn't but we'll see what uh okay don't call me at six in the morning man don't, don't just don't do it anyway yeah what do you mean joe rogan's bulletproof the guy can literally do whatever he wants and he's gonna get paid because he's got 11 million downloads an episode and he has currently 190 million ish downloads a month on his podcast and i thought i'm sorry and, i thought you said 190 million yeah and i and i think that the the thing is is and, and this is what's unfortunate in my opinion I think it's unfortunate that that the guy got caught using the N bomb 110 times, and well, that's not all, unfortunate. That means all, you're a racist. All that came of it was was the podcast or those episodes were removed. He issued an apology, and that's it. And what came of it was another platform is trying to buy him out of Spotify and bring them bring him to their platform. And and I think that's what's unfortunate. No, it's not unfortunate that. He said the N bomb 110 times. He's a racist. There's no question about it. You don't yeah. do it. Like it just it is what it is. But I think the unfortunate portion is that he he is getting more run. He is more successful. He's being rewarded more and at a higher level because of this, you know, scandal, if you want to call it that, or, you know, black eye that he has now, if you will. Like like that's what I think is is unfortunate. And I've never heard of Rumble. Uh, I did a simple Google search on it. It looks like, you know, it, it looks like what it sounds like. It's a it's a third party, never heard of you trying to grow their platform situation right now. And I understand why they wanna why they want Joe Rogan, because wherever Joe Rogan is, is he's going to get listens and that's just what it is. So Yeah, I think he is probably bulletproof. And you know what? I say about Joe Rogan, sure he's a racist. I don't think that he's a guy you want your daughter to marry, but I will say dangerous misinformation. This guy understands how to build business. I mean, good on you, Joe Rogan. Like I I mean, Joe Rogan's built a a product and a platform that people people want and people desire, and Joe Rogan fills fills a need. I mean, I used to be a listener of his and then all this COVID stuff and I just I don't listen anymore. Too fucking bad, man. Yeah, but I that's on me, right? Joe Rogan is talented. Joe Rogan is on the UFC. There's nobody better. Um, and I think Joe Rogan, my God, go get what you can get. Go get paid what you can get paid because money's hard to come by these days. We did what we did. You know, like, I and the one thing that I think all of this conversation around Joe Rogan has brought up and whether it's you know Donald Trump being banned from Twitter and YouTube and <clears throat> all of this banning stuff or deplatforming what it's done is open a Pandora's box because I am a huge believer in freedom of speech. I, I think it is one of the core tenets of democracy. This is fucking America. It is and you should be able to say whatever you want to say. Unless we disagree with you and then you get banned or kicked off a platform or shouted down or you Dangerous get killed. misinformation. Right? Like, I don't know where the line is. Where's the line anymore? And this is the hard conversation to have. Where's the line of, hey, I can say whatever I want, but I also do 190 million downloads a month and I have some responsibilities, so I really can't say what I want. And if I do say what I want, I'm going to get kicked off of YouTube. Like, where's the line? Who polices that? 
Nobody. And, and that's I, why you get content warnings on Spotify. You look at this situation in Canada with these truckers. Have you guys been following this? No, dude. <laughs> you haven't been following this? Yeah, I mean, I've heard about it, but like it, the whole situation is just ridiculous. So truck drivers have essentially shut off the border to North America from Canada south of, in North into North America. The border's closed. And it's because whether it's, you know, Alberta whether it is, you know, from Detroit northward, all the border spots are covered by big rig trucks who have parked their trucks on a bridge and for a week now have been honking their horns nonstop to disrupt peace and to disrupt traffic and trade into Canada, trying to force the government of Canada to remove mask mandates and COVID protocols. So they just shut down the country's trade. And the people are fed up like Canadians want what the government has done. Like people in Canada pretty much support the science-backed COVID protocols. Mm -hmm. So you have this standoff where these truckers are honking their horns 24-7, disrupting people's lives. So a group of Canadians got together in a class action lawsuit and sued the truckers and won. And there was a court injunction with the threat of arrest and imprisonment if you honk your horn during this injunction. And the truckers stopped. It's amazing. And the truckers have said, we want no violence. <clears throat> we, want this, we want this ended as soon as possible, but we cannot continue to do our jobs under these conditions. The coronavirus... I don't know. That sounds like some civil disobedience to me that is exactly how it should be. It should be. Yeah, that's how it should be. And by the way, you got sued and you lost, so they stopped honking their horns. They haven't now they haven't burned any cities, they haven't burned any buildings, they haven't killed anybody, they haven't shot anybody, they haven't gotten physical with the police. They just parked their trucks on bridges and streets to block shopping malls and bridges into their country. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I, I think... I, I don't know. I think that they're... Yeah, that's a that's a sticky situation, to say the least. But I think that that is in good spirit of what, you know, democracy would be. You know, your ability to protest and your ability to cause... To make an example out of something, to cause an issue, to raise awareness, I think is, is at the fundamentals of, you know, what our country was built on. And obviously, you can do it in Canada as well. And I think that... Look, I just think that that at the end of the day, Joe Rogan's bulletproof and could say whatever the hell he wants. Uh, I think the who polices it. I don't know who polices it. I, I think don't know that's what why, that looks like. I think that's why we always encourage you to do your own homework. Don't just listen to Fox <laughs> News or CNN or Joe Rogan or go and exactly. find the scientific evidence. Find the numbers. Find what works like, for you. Find, you know, well, but like, I don't think it. I don't think, and, and I'm not trying to say you're wrong, but I don't like to say it that way. What works for you? Because that's yeah. an opinion-based thing. It's not what works for you. But that's it what is this the, is. It's the science. It is the numbers, and it is it's the not factual anymore, evidence. It's not anymore. Not in this country. It's not. We've gotten to a place where we don't believe science. Well, that's but we but don't believe medicine. But here's the thing. That's that's on an individual basis. No government is operating on opinion. No government is going like, well, you know, I, I don't like I don't like the coronavirus, but, you know, I don't want to wear my mask, so I'm not going to. Yeah. Like the government doesn't operate that way. Our government, Canada, 
in Europe, like governments don't operate that way. They operate on, okay, what are the numbers telling us? What do the studies tell us based on like transmissions and, and all that stuff? That's what I'm saying. This we've gotten, we are spoiled in this country. We have the ability to say whatever the hell we want. Nine times out of 10, we can do whatever the hell we want. As long as it doesn't put anybody else in danger, or, like harm other people or whatever, you know, like we can just do whatever we want. And, and that's great 90% of the time. But in situations like this, sometimes it has some negative consequences. Yeah. And Mitchell asked about 2024 and he mentioned Donald Trump's name. And mm -hmm. so his comment got filtered apparently, but Donald, let's get something clear. Donald Trump's not running for president in 2024. He just wants you to think he is. And I hope people, the funny thing about this is, and I don't know how many people even realize this. Mm -hmm. Donald Trump is taking donations on a daily basis. People give him money. They donate to his thing, whatever that thing is. Do we know how much in donations that he's taken? We have no idea. Do we know what he's done with that money? We have no idea. If he, the moment he says, okay, I'm officially a candidate for president in 2024, what happens? Well, all that money that people are giving to Donald Trump becomes a campaign contribution. And then he has to report how much he's gotten. He has to report, and there are federal regulations for exactly what that money can be used for. Right now, you're just putting money into his wallet, and he can spend that money however he wants. Do you really think he's going to stop doing that to run for president? No, he's not. Because the minute he announces he's running for president, it becomes a political contribution. Yeah. So... Like, I just think we we build so much stuff up in this in this country and then we have no ability to talk about it. Yeah, it's funny. We're kind of in a situation like this with a Super Bowl party that we're going to on Sunday mm -hmm. where one guy is not vaccinated and nobody wants to talk about it. It's it. I mean, I don't know why. Here's what I'll say about that. <clears throat> and this type of situation, just generally speaking. We can't be concerned about hurting someone's feelings we need to be concerned about what the actual unvarnished truth is right so when you're talking as an example generally speaking not talking about anyone specifically when you're talking to someone who's unvaccinated and they have their opinions about that the simple truth is there's no getting away from the numbers the simple truth is there's no getting away from you being a higher risk individual than other people there's no getting away from the fact that's right that you cannot make a case that it is healthier for you to be unvaccinated you know for certain you know individuals there's no getting away from that so so with super bowl parties and gatherings and situations i have no problem saying to somebody hey what it, what is the logic i need you to tell me what your logic is for not for not taking care of yourself because at this point it's not about me i'm triple vaxxed i'm in great shape i am fine i don't have any concerns about myself but i have concerns about you and what you're reading and believing and all the misinformation that's out there that's what i'm talking about i agree with that this is not an opinion-based discussion this is not well donald trump said this so that makes it fact doesn't matter what donald trump said doesn't matter what anybody says, Fauci, any of the best doctors in the and world, the it matters what the thing. numbers say. You can't believe anything that you're hearing. Right. Uh, it's so it, it's incredibly frustrating. Josh Lovren says, wouldn't the market be who policies, who polices speech? 
free speech doesn't equal freedom of consequence. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, you that's can't. Correct. You can't be Spotify and have Joe Rogan, Rogan dropping n bombs. It's bad for business. So they pulled all those episodes, right? But Joe Rogan knows that if Spotify fires him, Rumble will hand him a hundred million dollars today. So let's keep dropping n bombs. You know, who cares if a person at a party is not vaxxed? That's on on that's on them. Has no impact on you. Well, I I don't necessarily believe that. You know, I I I just. I don't know. I, I think the whole conversation is a black hole of death and darkness. And there's not a lot of there's not a lot of synchronicity to it. So let's talk about side hustles. Yeah. While you hit subscribe, if you're here, please give us a thumbs up and a like. So we are big side hustlers. We are just about a week away from closing on our investment property, um, which, by the way, I got the con the co consolidated statement from the HOA yesterday. Mm. It's going to cost me north of two thousand dollars to to do this HOA thing. What does that mean? I'm going to have to pay at closing $2,000 to the HOA. It's ridiculous. HOAs are such a joke. It dude. is such a it racket. Is, it is such a scam, bro. It is. It's incredible. This is a, this is a one bedroom income property. And the HOA is going to be like two grand. It's, it's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I still maintain real estate is your best ever side hustle. Mm -hmm. You have a list of the best side hustles. Yeah. So um, these side hustles are ranked based on their hourly wage and earning potential. Okay. That's how that's that's how they're being ranked. The number one side hustle, according to this website and how they have this ranked, is online tutoring. It is the most bang for your buck in terms of you making money for the time you're putting in. Um, it has a very low entry point, meaning it's not going to cost you a bazillion dollars to get into it. Um, most people are tutoring on math or science or music. Um, religious education also has a pretty substantial opportunity. I can tell you right now, business consulting and coaching. I know two people that I work with that do it all the time, almost every day. And they make huge money doing it. It's crazy how much people pay for business coaching, mm -hmm. how much people pay for online tutoring. The range is 20 to $80 an hour, <sighs> anywhere in there. Man. So that's number one. Number two is personal training. Obviously. Obvi. Number three is managing social media or digital operations for uh, small to medium enterprises. Uh, number four is freelance graphic design. Ooh. Pretty cool. Yep. Five is party planning. Yeah, huge business. Um, number six, and I think this one's interesting. Driving for Uber is number six. I think driving for Uber has big opportunity. Like you look at, um, you look at what you could do with this. So, you know, you think about it. So your average Uber driver is just kind of driving like, you know, your run of the mill vehicle. Your average vehicle, nothing crazy, you know, and that's what they do full time. But as a side hustle, let's say that you had, you know, a really nice car, you know, a souped up car, whatever. You could make YouTube content on driving for Uber, and you see it all the time. And I think that's why this is one of my favorite ones. I feel like this is this is very productive. The average rate for Uber drivers in the U.S. is $19.43 per hour. So you're making decent money just doing it kind of casually. But if you were to attach YouTube or, let's say, TikTok or, like, make content off of driving for Uber, I think this could be a very dynamic opportunity so driving for uber is number six depending on how you handle it 
Number seven, freelancing on Upwork. Um, this is some sort of, I'm not exactly sure what Upwork is. I'd have to look into it, but it's like web development programming. You know, you can pick mm -hmm. up jobs that way. Back to the Uber thing real quick. Mm -hmm. By the way, I think a great side hustle <coughs> is coughing into a microphone. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. <coughs> I yeah. think a great side hustle is <coughs> buying a car that is strictly for you to rent out. <coughs> right. Buying a supercar. I can't, oh, it just went out of my head. The service, the app where you can rent um, out your car. Oh. Turo. Turo. Thank you, yeah, Mrs. Turo. Monty. Yeah. Turo. Yeah. Uh, Turo. I think Turo is a side hustle is brilliant. Yeah. Because you, you can buy a, you can buy, and at like in Park City, it's huge. I was looking at this last week. We were talking about Turo for something else. Yeah. In Park City, um, all-wheel drive SUV rentals on Turo are getting you like 300 bucks a day. Yeah, so if you think about That's it, crazy. if you do basic math, let, let's say you were in Phoenix, let's say, and you had a supercar, a Lambo, Ferrari, whatever, whatever yeah. your spice of life is. Those cars cost about two grand a month to, to own, and and you're probably another five, 500 to 1,000 bucks to operate it. So let's say your cost is 3,000 bucks. If you're making 400 bucks a day and you were to rent it, let's say, 20 times a month, it's like eight grand. It's an easy yeah. five grand. It's know? an easy way to pay but, off your Lambo quickly. And and that's the thing I think that, you know, uh, is is lucrative. You know, obviously you have to have the money to get a car like that. But, you know, I, so I think, yeah, I think the car rental business is is pretty awesome. And I think, you know, if you're in a warmer climate where you can have higher end cars without really worrying about it, I think it's particularly good opportunity. Um, what about a uh, what about like detail? Yeah. So auto detail. Let's see. So auto detail is technically ranked. Um, 10th on the list. Oh, it's in the top 10? It's in the top 10. Wow. Car washing and auto detailing is one of the most lucrative and top paying side hustles that you can start today. Here's why it's lucrative. This is what they say in the article. The barrier to entry to auto detailing is lower than other side projects. This means you can start earning profits really quickly. Um, it's easy to retain clients if they like your work, right? And then your average hourly wage, you know, ranges from 875 an hour to 20 bucks an hour. I can tell you right now, um, car detailing is one of the best side hustles you can do. You can do it on the weekend. You can easily scale the business up. Um, and it's definitely something that I've thought about in the past. I mean, I think it's very easy if you just do good work to retain because it's a relationship based business. If you're a so, good person, you know, and you and are nice to your clients and you do good work, you're going to retain that client for a long time. Wouldn't you rather seed fund a oh, car sure. detail place yeah, than actually... Because I have no interest in going and detailing cars. Well, I'd love to have a business that details cars. Yeah, I mean... I, I just don't want to be the guy doing it. I think mobile detailing is is the type of business I would love to seed fund. You know, I would love to, you know, partner with somebody and, and build their business with them, you know? Michael Burton says, fact, brother has had COVID 14 times uh, or four times and is triple vax. CDC said initially vaccinations equaled immune... Which is proven incorrect. I don't know that anybody... the CDC never said that that vaccinations mean you couldn't get coronavirus. And again, this is see, this is what makes me question where you're getting your information from. The CDC never has ever said that vaccinations mean you can't get coronavirus. That has never been the case ever. What they've said is, hey, if you get vaccinated, you know, if slash when, because basically everybody is going to get coronavirus at some point, just like everybody has had, you know, influenza or anything else. When you get it, the side effects are going to be basically nothing. And that's why you want to get vaccinated. So you don't get hospitalized and, and you know, get in some trouble like that. So, like I said, 
you can run in here and say, well, you know, the CDC is not true with their information. And what that tells me is you're not actually reading the CDC website. You're uh, reading something else. I would agree with that. Jeff Johnson, good morning too. He says, go back to school and getting my plumber's license for my side hustle. Skilled trades are becoming scarce. So money, money for me, baby. Yeah, Don't home services is, a, is another great side hustle, you know? Yes. Um, I think. I agree I think, with that. You know, a couple of the other ones on this list, you know, blogging is at 12, is ranked 12. You can make $502,000 a month, depending on what you're blogging about. Um, you know, obviously selling products on e-commerce websites. That's, I feel like that's pretty straightforward. Um, Airbnb is in, and not just a whole house. You can Airbnb a room in your house. Um, you know, and I think that is something you could definitely make some, some good money on. It's kind yep. of a racket, but you know, you can, you can do some stuff with that. Brylark says car detailing and dog grooming are the same exact business. <laughs> Just, you know, different vehicles. Uh, Giggity says, I'm going to start building a CPA practice so eventually I can work six to eight months a year full time, then have the other months part time or no time. Love that. Yeah. Love that. No doubt. Um, Casey Finlinson, good morning to you. Casey says, uh, and Casey's got a Casey's got a new podcast. Casey's got like oh, a he like, where he. Casey, explain your podcast in the comments, but he, he basically has a podcast where they rate lunch spots around Utah County. Oh, I had no idea. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool, dude. Yeah. Congrats. Um, he says, true, Jeff, you can make big money on the side. You can uh, make your own schedule. HVAC side work is lucrative and the licensing is so easy to get. Yeah. Yep. Governments did. You can see the video, Michael Burton says. Okay. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, you guys have been saying it. The vaccine... Um, is there so you don't die? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's the not vaccine, about whether you get it or not. Yeah, the vaccine essentially, if you're unvaccinated, you're saying that you're okay with the risk of death if you get COVID. Yeah, especially Delta. Uh, Giggity says eBay. Are you unhappy that the science is evolving? Because eBay said CDC has said masks worked, and now admit they don't. Well, See, again, that's that's the CDC not true. doesn't say the masks don't work. That's not true, guy. It's not true, and 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 I don't want this to devolve into some kind of covid conversation which is always what happens when you know this stuff gets brought up but again all i'm going to keep saying is when i hear comments like that you're immediately ruining your credibility because i know where you're getting your information from like the cdc has never said that masks don't work is there science that says hey a cloth mask isn't as effective as an n95 yes there yeah, is absolutely and there's nothing wrong with that but nobody's ever said cloth masks or masks don't work masks do work the conversation is around the quality of the mask you have and its Correct. effectiveness. Correct. Correct. Uh, Casey says it's an Instagram page called Eaten Lunch, and it's a bunch of us friends going around Provo and Orem eating lunch and rating what we eat. I think it's, see, I think that's, that's awesome, amazing. dude. I think that's, that's amazing. Awesome, you know, I love that. You could do any side hustle. What would it be? Something automotive. Something automotive. Mine would be real estate, 100, 100%. 100p, no doubt about it. That or I'm dead serious. Once I close on this condo, I've got a financial guy I'm going to talk to and my mortgage guy. I've got to figure out how to leverage my real estate to open up a franchise. Yeah. Because I got to do it. It, it. And I'm probably obsessing over it. It may never happen, but, you know. Caleb says, one of my mentors told me about online tutoring years ago. I should uh, should have took advantage. Not too late. Never too late. I think we're in, we're in the golden era of being able to make money without having huge investment up front. I would agree. And I think that it takes time to learn how to do it. And I think that's the that's the price you're paying. And I, and I think that, you know, um, I think 
you you just have a lot of opportunity right now. You know, you have, you know, obviously YouTube is a tried and true platform for, you know, building a brand. Yes. I think I think TikTok is definitely still underrated somehow in terms of growth and like getting yourself but, out there like you know jake we got to stop putting artificial timelines on stuff mm -hmm. we put artificial timelines on things like weight loss and fitness is a perfect example mm -hmm. um we thought well i'm gonna i'm gonna take 90 days and i'm gonna lose 150 pounds and you get to day 30 and you're like well i haven't lost any weight so i'm gonna give up now well when you put artificial timelines on things like that you are all you're doing is setting a goal for failure yeah that's all you're doing and I'm 49. I'm about to be 49. My wife is 87. Um, you know, so she's an older person. I'm not. Right. My wife's 49. Um, we're both about the same age. And both of us have tried many things in our in our lives. Mm -hmm. You know, but that doesn't mean that we're going to stop trying. You know, the, the whole point is that if, if you are willing to take the risk and, and chase what you're passionate about, whether for Jake, that's automotive. For me, that's, you know getting hoes um um no for me whether that's real estate or you know flipping designing franchising it's just a matter of putting the infrastructure in place to succeed at those goals right yeah. that's the that's the question and it's sometimes i think we just get so obsessed with the the end result i'm going to be a millionaire in 30 days no you're probably not <laughs> right like hey i'm going to be a millionaire in at some point okay well let's build a process follow that process and tweak the process as we go along because the successful people it's not that successful people don't fail it's that they don't quit yeah and when you quit you're failing yeah when you when you fail and you continue to push forward and learn from those failures think about Elon Musk think about you know Jeff Bezos think about all of these guys that you aspire to be their result, to have their result, yeah. how many times have they failed? Because I guarantee you, Steve Jobs would not be the legend that he is now if he had just quit the first time he failed at something. I'm for real. Like, you you have to understand that failure and quitting are two different things. Yeah. They are two different, you know, even the way that you, you think, you operate, the modality with which you go through life. Yeah is completely different, completely different. Um, Giggity says, any updates on the new shirts? Yeah, they're sitting in a box in North Salt Lake. I have to go and pick them up at some point. I don't know how and when I'm going to do that. But they're ready right now. You're a casual. Yeah. That shirt is uh, printed sitting in a box up in North Salt Lake. we just got to go pick them up. Facts. Um, so we will do that this week. At some point. At some point, because sure we will when. roll them out during our shows in L.A. over the next two weeks. Um, so that's going to be fun. Um Neville 93 said taco stand is a good one. I agree. Um, let's see. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, but it doesn't just affect you, Michael Burton. That's why you have to get vaccinated. Yeah, I think people, when you're talking about vaccinations and COVID, I'm, I'm so over it. Uh, we just started it, so we'll be adding new stuff as we go along, Casey says. Good luck with that. Uh, Jeff Johnson says, TikTok gives me weird computer endorphin addict vibes, LOL. <laughs> I really like TikTok. I steal stuff from TikTok all the time. I really do. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. How you feeling? Fine. Good. You hate talking about COVID. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of people reading, you know, bad information and then formulating opinions and then calling us stupid off their bad information. I'm tired of that process taking place. Yeah. 
we, it, it gets tiring. It, it is really frustrating that we don't um, follow science anymore. It is really Some of us do. Jair Murray Jr. says, hi, guys. Love the show. Hi, Jair. Good to Thanks, see you. Thanks, bro. Subscribe. Win the PS5. Michael Burton says, by the way, I am triple vaccinated. Just in case you guys get some idea, I'm an anti-vaxxer. I don't think I don't you're think an anti-vaxxer. You're an anti-vaxxer, dude. I, 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 and I'm not, I'm not the guy who's like, who's like, oh, well, you said this, so you must be an anti-vaxxer. I mean, I'm, I'm just not that person. All I'm saying is it's a really simple concept. I, 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 let's, not, like, let's not get confused. The concept is, hey, like, let's stop making opinions based on what other people say. And just follow the numbers and what they tell you. Delta, the death rate was higher. I'm going to take Delta a little more seriously, right? Omicron, the death rate is way lower. So it's more transmissible, but the death rate is lower. So I don't think we need to fear that as much, you know? It's not rocket science. Follow the numbers. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and Pete says, I'm a a listener of yours. um, And I know you hate when people message you, but I just want you to know I love your fitness stuff uh, on TikTok and Instagram. Any updates? Yeah, um, I think I think so. When we're talking about side hustles, I think another great one is making video content for people because a lot of people don't know how to make it. Yeah, and and that's I would agree with and that. that and that's something that we did in Phoenix, and I think there's a market for it here. And I think for fitness, like I think fitness is something that everybody aspires to do, but few people actually do. You know, and and it's kind of crazy. Like we just all we're doing is going to the gym and using our cell phones to make video content. Yeah, like our TikTok. Um, and Instagram fitness stuff is not intentional. <laughs> it's it just is what it is, you know. Like it it literally is cinematic mode on an iPhone, shooting us working out. That's it. Yeah. And then we it's post it on easy. Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. Um, I'm going to the doctor actually after the show today to get my six months checkup. <clears throat> um, I'm stuck kind of at the thirty pounds lost level. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't gained weight at all, even through the holidays, I didn't gain weight, but I have, I've stopped losing. Okay. So here's the question I have for you. Cause this is the part that I'm confused about. Mm-hmm. We're doing the way we're working out basically turns fat into muscle. Yes. And you know that, Yes. but you're still fixated on losing weight, which I don't understand. Well, because <clears throat> you know, I don't want to walk around at the weight that I am. And the other part is that I, you're right. I should be more fixated on getting thinner and I am much thinner like it's you been, are it's crazy yeah the the my waist has shrunk like you're everything to the point where your snowboarding pants are falling off while you're riding yeah i i have a bunch of extra holes in my belt like yeah i, like yeah, it's I don't working i don't have i'm not frustrated with the result i would like to see the scale go down a little bit i'd like to lose a pound a week that's all i don't think that's asking too much um and so what i'm gonna have to do i guarantee you my doctor's gonna be like all right let's uh, do a food diary for five days and I hate doing I think, food diaries. I think what it is is it's – I think it's portions. Like, that's what I think, too. Like, I think it's easy. What I noticed is, like, it's really easy, like, for me to just hammer and, like, eat a lot of food per portion because I like to eat. And I can't do that anymore. Like, we had Jersey Mike's yesterday. Mm-hmm. We've really gotten onto this Jersey Mike cycle, which I love. And, like, I had a I had a sandwich yesterday, and I was, like we, – we were done eating. I was, like, dude, I just – like, I'm full. Yeah, like, get – like what I would tell you to do is experiment with just eating the smaller portion, like yeah. eat the smaller portion and then take a moment when you're done eating, like after you've done, done eating for like five minutes and see how you feel. What, what did I'm- we have for lunch? Yes. Oh, we had my wife made a sweet potato with black beans and pico. Yeah. Like and a perfect I, example. I was I, I couldn't finish it. Yeah. Like I could not. But finish there's it. nothing wrong with that. No, like, I know. Eat I half agree. The sweet potato in half. I'm telling you, eat half the portion. 
right? But maybe eat a little, like spread it out, right? So yeah. have the portion, spread it out, and you will see you will lose. You know, the other thing that I think is interesting, and I've really been trying to research it quite a bit, Yeah, um, is you're staying too low calorie-wise. Mm -hmm. Like there is a fine window and I think mine's 2,500 calories. Right. If I eat over 2,500 calories, I think I, I don't lose weight. When I eat at like 2,400 calories, I think I lose weight. But it's the but again, and you know this, it's the quality of those calories that really will define. Yeah. And you know, listen, since the holiday, I think in really over the last three weeks solid, we've eaten pretty well for like the bulk of our food is like my wife is making these incredible soups. She made tortilla soup the other day that was just mm -hmm. incredible. She's been making soups. She's been making like the sweet potato thing. Like we've actually been eating really well. And I, I just, I think that's the, I think that's the key to it. So it'll be interesting to get on the scale of the doctor today and then talk to him about it. Cause other than that, I mean, I, I feel great. Like physically speaking, um, it's good to see gains like shoulders, arms, bicep, triceps, um, you know, pretty much, you know, now routinely benching 225. Um, you know, like strength wise, physically, it's great. My sleep is fucking terrible right now. Like, I don't know what it's been the last three days. So I've been dealing with this cough. Mm -hmm. So I had gone like <laughs> 10 straight days. I was like NyQuil all day. Dayquil at night or Nyquil at night, and my cough kind of went away, so I stopped taking Nyquil, mm -hmm. and instantly I slept terribly. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, ever since I've because that's a long time to be taking Nyquil. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not that I'm saying you were wrong for doing it, but you have to understand, like, you know, your body, you know, not that you're addicted to Nyquil, but like, you know, your body gets into the groove of something, and then it changes, and so now yeah. you're gonna suffer for a couple nights. But I. But I'm telling you, like, and I know you do this on, uh, like, you know, you're already kind of doing this, but I've, I really like how I feel when I just front load the day with food. So like, yes, I'll have my breakfast right, right when I get back. Then at 10 o'clock, I'm going to eat another pretty solid meal of some kind. Typically that's like, you know, like I have chopped chicken in my fridge and like, you know, like a salad or like something that's vegetable based right in the middle of the morning. So it's light on the stomach, but high in, in nutrient or whatever. And then I'll have, typically I'll have something pretty strong after the gym. And then I just backload the day with a sh shit ton of water, like just a ton of water. And I'll literally not trying to be TMI, but I'll pee like five, six times before I go to bed. And then I feel great. Yeah. Like, it, the thing that really works for me is a lot of fiber and grain in the morning. And then my when when I eat well, it's I'm not hungry after lunch. Yeah. So usually it's brown rice, quinoa and a bag of vegetables. So like pea, peas, corn, peas and carrots. When I eat brown rice, quinoa, and vegetables at lunch, I am not hungry. Like yesterday, I ate that sweet potato, and I got hungry around like 4.30. Mm -hmm. I ate that at, I guess that would have been like a 1 o'clock-ish, 1.30-ish. Mm -hmm. And at like 4.30, almost 5 o'clock, my wife wrapped up work. So it was 5 o'clock when she finished working. And I was like, what are we going to do? Like, I'm hungry. Like, what are we going to what are we gonna do? And And so it's just this thing where consistency is key but i agree with you i think eating more before the gym um but i can't eat before i go and work out like if i eat breakfast if i have my heritage flakes which is generally what i eat and then like whole grain toast i'm good until i get back from the gym i'll be hungry when i get home from the gym 
And then typically I'll have vegetables, quinoa, brown rice. Um, I generally have two protein bars a day. See, that's the one. That's where we're a little different. Like you're back to having protein shake and protein bar. And like I think there that could be something too. I think there could be something to too much protein as well. <laughs> um, Giggity says, can we talk about these food orders you've been making with these fake names? Getting any yeah, reactions dog. from the workers? Oh, yeah. Oh, it, not reactions from the workers, no. It's funny, though. Like, we So the new Chipotle opened. I could eat that Chipotle every day. Right now, I am on a Chipotle run. Butthole. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the end product has been prodigious. Mm -hmm. um, but getting a, getting a uh, burrito at Chipotle has just been a renaissance in my life. I'm telling you, Chipotle's bomb, dude. Like, I love the food. I hate that it's going to kill me one day. It's not. Um, but so we like we've been ordering my wife orders it digitally for us. You can do it online. And at the new Chipotle in the district, <clears throat> you can drive through and pick it up. And so we did that and like I've used Hugh Janus, um, you know, for sure. What are the, what's the other one? Craven Moorhead. Craven Moorhead, for sure. <laughs> Craven Moorhead is amazing. Uh, so, like, Craven Moorhead, Hugh Janus. Yeah. Which the one that you used the other day? I used Craven Moorhead the other day. Uh, there was something with butthole. Uh, but anyway, the point is, so we've been putting crazy butthole. names. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. You need somebody, you need to have cojones. Yeah. Because you're asking for trouble when you do that, by the way. You are asking for trouble. Cafe Rio has turned into the Denny's of fast Mexican food. Chipotle is so much better. Yep. Richard B. Long. That's Richard right. Richard B. Long. Richard yes. B. Long. Yes. 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 That would be Dick B. Long. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Richard B. Long. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I love Cafe Rio chicken tacos, lettuce, pico, black beans, and uh, pinto beans. My God. Okay. We have to go, dude. We like do. seriously we oh wow go. it's 805 yeah we like, do we gotta to go. go all right i'm gonna go get my arm poked at the doctor we'll be back tomorrow morning don't forget we're in la for the next two weeks starting next week we're gonna do shows every day you'll never miss it gonna debut a new set with a big banner for the road we'll have yeah. t-shirts for you we have all kinds of great stuff happening on the show coming up in the next two weeks make sure you hit subscribe um ooh, a shotware new new nike skateboarding shoe release jake and yep. it's not attractive at yep. all i hate that shoe yep. anyway the point is make sure you hit subscribe if you're listening on the audio podcast thanks so much our listener numbers on the audio podcast are joe rogan like minus about 191 million um and yeah until tomorrow say goodbye jake goodbye jake <laughs>